hello and welcome to Cyber School from Home. Uh, we've been enjoying digging back into our roots on this podcast because we started our very first season by looking at the Psalms, and that's what we're doing again in this season. Today, we've got to discuss God's mercy. I'm Lachlan, and I'm really looking forward to this. This is great. I'm Ken, and uh, nice to be here with you tonight, Lock. Yeah, well, it's been a particularly busy week for me, and, and I've just had an experience that I'd like to warn everyone about. I, I was at the supermarket this afternoon, and there's a couple of novelty hot cross bun flavors getting around, and I bought one that was flavored the fl- the savory flavor of pizza shapes. Oh no! And I can tell you not to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I had one half a one, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to finish the packet. I don't know how you meant to eat it. I just ate it the way I like to eat a hot cross bun, which is which is basically just straight on its own, and it ah uh, it d- doesn't work. That's my report. <laughs> so. All right, thank you. Uh, I I consider myself suitably warned. Yeah. On the other hand, I had a uh, chocolate peanut butter ball. Oh, um, from a shop on George Street in Launceston called Veg Out. Um, a shout out to Veg Out. Um, they are superb. Uh, uh, I highly recommend them. Come. Uh, we've got spare rooms in our place. Stay with us. Goodness me, my wife will uh, uh, wonder what on earth I've done spreading out that invitation publicly. Um, but I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to be welcome to our place. Yeah, well, it is nice that people are still listening to the podcast. I've had a number of people, Ken, over the last month or two, um, uh, contact me or bump into me and and just remind me that they they do still find value and they are still listening. So... That's wonderful. That's great to hear that it's still of value. And of course, we enjoy doing it. Um, and so let's dig in. We're going to read Psalm 57, which was the, the first psalm that came to your mind, Ken, uh, when we were thinking mm. about the mercy of God. And it is indeed the psalm from which the Sabbath School pamphlet gets its memory verse for this week. So um, maybe you could read it. There's only 11 verses, I think, here in the psalm. I'll have a go. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and his faithfulness. I'm in the midst of lions, I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet, I was bowed down in distress, they dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast, I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul, awake, harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. That's nice. Um, Just as you read that, Luke has joined us. Luke, it's great to have you here for the recording. It's good to be here. Ken, the the thought that... jumped prominently into my mind as you read that was 
a number of connections to the story of Daniel and the and the lion's den. Um, not mm. only does it say mm. in verse four, I'm surrounded by fierce lions, but in verse six, my enemies have set a trap for me. Uh, they've dug a deep pit, but they themselves have fallen into it. That's, of course, the the slightly less commonly told ending to the children's story. The, the people that were agitating so hard for Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den got to visit it themselves uh, mm. after Daniel mm. survived it. Mm. It, it can't be a psalm about the story of, of Daniel, I, I presume. It just seems to resonate with that story. It, it does somewhat. Um, it may be a psalm about the story of Daniel. Uh, one of the interesting things about the psalms, we see, we see them as they're written as psalms of David. Mm. Um, and many of them are. Most of them indeed are. Um, uh, but in fact, uh, the... Uh, they may not be may not have been written by David. They may be of David in the sense that they are um, uh, dedicated to him, mm. or in the sense that they are um, of the uh, genre uh, that David would have written. Yeah. Um, so the the he the, the Hebrew word is a l. Um, not the French le, but um, uh, something like that. I'm sure Hebrew scholars will denounce my pronunciation, um, but uh, uh, it uh, uh, it does not necessarily attribute authorship. Um, so it, it could have come from later. One of the things that interested me about that was that these men whose teeth are spears and arrow, whose tongues are sharp swords... Uh, so much of our communication is done with words and so many of our words are harmful. Mm. Um, and uh, it's uh, and, and they, they can be cutting. One of the things that my... Uh, I, I enjoy words. Um, uh, I make my living with words, in fact. Um, and one of the things that my dad said to me, even as a young man, I was married when Wendy and I were 21, um, and uh, he said to me, well, Ken in his sermon in, at our wedding ceremony, uh, uh, you have a way with words. Uh, remember that words can win and woo or they can cut like a sword. Mm. Um, and, and, and when you think about somebody's sharp teeth and uh, sword-like tongues, you think of that. And gossip has that effect as well. Yep. Anyway, we, we, that, that's, that, that was one of the bits that jumped out. And you, you, draw the, you, you, you saw the um, connection with Daniel. That was one of the things that jumped out at me. But we were looking at mercy, at God's mercy. Yeah. It seems to me, uh, this was going to be my next question, it, it unambiguously begins with that as the key theme on the mind of the author, have mercy on me, O God. But by the time you get to verse 7, actually the, the emphasis has changed. From verse 7 to the end, there, there's not as much focus on God's mercy as there is just praise for God and thankfulness to God. It's almost as if this psalm goes on a journey from a, a, a cry out requesting mercy to then the, the gratefulness and thankfulness uh, reflecting on the mercy having been bestowed. Mm, mm, mm. I think that's a really good point. One of the things uh, that I think is interesting when you look at God's mercy, there, there is a, we have a tendency sometimes to, uh, uh, think of God as being uh, a judge. And when one thinks of a judge, one thinks of punishment. Mm. Um, and uh, there's a certain harshness 
um, that that comes with that type of concept. Um, a couple of interesting points, and these are points that are brought out in a book called um, uh, Gentle and Lowly um, by Dane Ortland. Um, one of the things that he points out is that it's interesting, isn't it, that God is provoked to anger. Huh. So his default position is not, in fact, anger. <laughs> um, uh, he Anger on the part of God requires a provocation. Um, so his default position is, is not there. Another interesting point that he brings out is when one goes to Exodus 33, and you'll remember the story um, of uh, Exodus uh, 33, where Moses says, um, uh, uh, now show me your glory. In verse 18, he says, Exodus 33, verse 18, he says to God, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. No one may see me and live. And then the Lord passes um, in in front of Moses, proclaiming this is in verse 34, verse nine. And remember, he said, I will I will proclaim my name. Um, and Moses is asked to see God's glory. And the, what does what does God do? He comes in front of Moses and he says, he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Um, yet he does not leave the children unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Um, and uh, uh, interestingly enough, uh, He's slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, but uh, the punishment only goes to the third and fourth generation. So that's a, yeah. a, nice, <laughs> a nice bit of restraint. Um, uh, but I thought that was, that was very interesting. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is not his majesty. It's not his power um, in, the, in, the, in the sense that we think of human power. The glory of God is his mercy. Hmm. Oh, that's a beautiful thought. Yeah, that that is. This is this is connected to so many other as- attributes of God. God's mercy is connected to the way that He is instigator of the relationship with His creation. I mean, right from the right from the start of the the Bible narrative, God is the one that keeps instigating. He instigates by creating. He instigates by coming and calling in the garden after the the eating of the forbidden fruit. Um, God instigates by creating, making clothes for them to wear. Um, in 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 the approach to Abram, God is the instigator. The th- again and again and again, uh, God is the one making, attempting to make, and establish the connection. And that seems to me uh, to be an aspect of this idea of mercy. Um, the I, I mean I guess what's what are we talking about when we're talking about God's mercy? Uh, we would use that word to mean I think that some negative consequence might justifiably or or deservedly be mine, and I'm asking for that to be withdrawn or withheld. The um the the, the Hebrew word um, rachum uh, 
means to actively show compassion. Ah, well, that's, mm. a, if anything, even better word, isn't it, I think? To act <laughs> compassion, which is, which is an excellent word to have as a dedicated word. Whereas in, in English, you could confuse, you could say compassion and you could confuse that for a passive impulse or feeling. Whereas a dedicated word makes it really clear that it's an act. It's an act of compassion, mm-hmm. which I like very much. Because um, English often has this problem with failing to distinguish between feelings and actions. You yes. use the same verb for both. And, mm. and, yes. and it's open to misinterpretation um, in all sorts of different ways. The, the connection you've identified can even comes up in this psalm. Because it begins, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. In verse 5, it gets to the be exalted, O God, may your glory shine over all the earth. You've, you've read that or pointed us to that uh, passage in Exodus, God's glory being connected to his mercy. And then um, the psalm finishes, actually, with that same sentiment. Be exalted above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Maybe I'm, I was a little too hasty when I suggested that the psalm seemed to progress on from, from mercy. Maybe actually through God's glory shining over all the, all the earth, it is in fact echoing God's mercy. Well, in fact, it is God's mercy that is shining all over the earth. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is his glory. Um, uh, and the praise that he's being given, the request is show your mercy to mm. me. And uh, the what he is seeing is God's glory. That is his mercy. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a pattern that is very... Well, I don't know if it's very common in the Psalms, but I certainly noticed it in others where it starts with, with a cry for help and a statement about misery of the supplicant. And, and by the end, it, it transforms into praise. Mm-hmm. Um, that's quite a common pattern. The, uh, I'm trying to there's a feeling like there's almost a pattern, but it's eluding me slightly. So uh, verse 5 and verse 11 are the same thing. And that suggests to me that there might be some uh, mirror or some reflection in the first half and the second half. Uh, I guess this sort of is because verse four speaks about the surrounded by fierce lions and the the teeth and tongues being like weapons. Um, In verse six, my enemies have set a trap, uh, dug a deep pit. Uh, Verse six is the first point where we feel this psalm change gear because Everything so far is the same as what we've already heard. Enemies have set traps. I'm weary from distress. I'm in a state that needs God's mercy. But the enemies themselves have fallen into the pit. So there's that's where the in in the story of this psalm, the experience or the observation of God's mercy seems to sort of sort of kick in. Um, I'm in a bad place. I've cried out to mercy for God and. And now I'm feeling a little closer to justice. Mm. It's almost as if that's the, that's, the cent, that's the point which launches off the last part of the psalm, which is the praise and thankfulness um, Yeah, that, that sets the mood on which the psalm ends. Mm. It actually repeats itself in that pattern as well. It does it twice. There's, well, kind of... 
almost three times if you if you consider verse one to be that pattern of asking for help and then receiving help then Mm. asking for help and then receiving help and then needing help and then receiving help so it happens in verse one then verse two and three it happens again then verse four and five it happens again and then verse six and seven it happens again and then from eight through to the end it's it's praise Mm. so four times it repeats itself this pattern of needing help and asking for help and needing help and asking for help and all the rest of it I want to bring us back to this characteristic of God as mercy Uh, and I I want to take us to Isaiah chapter 55 um, uh, verses 6 to 9 so that says this um, seek the Lord while he may be found call on him while he is near let the wicked forsake his way the evil man his thoughts let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely or liberally pardon Hmm. for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts now, we often go to that, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, as the heavens are higher, so my ways are higher. So God knows much more than us. Um, and that's how we sort of look at that. But if you read that passage in context, what is the difference between the way God... Because that, that, that four is there at the beginning of verse 8 in Isaiah chapter 55. Four. That is, because... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. Well, what is the difference between the way that God thinks and the way that we think? It's explained in the text immediately prior, and it is this. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. <laughs> the way that God thinks differently to us is that he's busting his guts to be merciful. He's looking mm. for ways to be merciful. Um I think that's a that, that's a wonderful thought. Um, the, the, another thought is over in the New Testament, Second um, uh, Corinthians chapter one and verse three, um, uh, sec- where Paul says uh, says this: um, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort." who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So uh, the father of compassion or the father of mercies. God has mercy in his very DNA. Mm-hmm. That is, He's the father of mercy. His offspring is mercy. Huh. Um, his, his, he propagates mercy. Um, that's the... Mm. That's the nature of God. And then um, I think there's Ephesians 2, uh, 4 to 6. And before we go there, let me just ask, in what ways are we wealthy? In what ways are we rich? Oh, um, we're we're rich enough, Ken, to be able to afford to buy a packet of pizza-shaped flavoured chocolate (laughs) buns just, just to taste them in case they might be good. And even chocolate peanut butter. Wow, that's a real. That's a real long shot. That's a real um, Powerball one hundred million lottery type of odds. I feel. <laughs> well, actually, actually, there's an interest. I don't know whether 
is the lottery the same Australia wide? There was a recent lottery that went to two hundred million dollars. Yes, there was. Um, and and in fact, when it was at one hundred and fifty million dollars, um, forgive me for the the gambling spirit. Um, uh, but um, uh, I, I said to well, we've got to buy a ticket. Um, we didn't, but uh, <laughs> I, I, and I share I shared this with my son, and he said. Well, if it goes to two hundred million dollars, that's a sign from God that you need to buy a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and and he did, and and it did, and we didn't. Um, <laughs> so uh, we were not one of the so, two so people maybe, who won the hundred million dollars each. Maybe that's um, a sign from God. That's <laughs> uh, the, the the psychology of lotteries is a. Um, would be a fascinating study in and of itself. I maintain that the main product that's being sold there isn't money. It's not a. It's not the payout. It's the hope of the payout. Ah, it's the hope. That that's what yeah. they're selling. Yeah. And you get that when you buy the ticket. And everybody yeah. gets that. Yeah. That's the yeah. business model. They sell hope. Have I, have I shared this on the podcast before? I was listening to a radio, um, a talkback radio show host, and uh, uh, somebody rang in and their job was to ring the people who had won the lottery. Hmm. Um, and the radio show host said, um, well, that must be a fabulous job. You know, people must be happy. You know, what's the most common thing people say to you when you ring them and tell them that, tell them that they've won? And do you know what the most common thing that people said? It was, is that all? <laughs> yeah, because that was course, the most yeah. common response to the news that you've won the lottery. Because of course, actually, is that all? Actually, winning the money doesn't feel as rewarding as people expect it to. I suspect. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do we think about God? How is God wealthy? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Mm. I was one other element of our wealth is time. God is wealthy in the sense that that he is unbounded by time. That's, that's a mm, very mm, powerful mm. level of wealth. Mm. Um, uh, that's a, that's a, that's, you're right. That's another way that he's rich. Paul says this in Ephesians 2, but because of his great love for us, this is in verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy ah. made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Mm. God who is rich in mercy. <laughs> ha. There's a wonderful thought. That is a wonderful thought. The the challenge that I've been pondering as you've as you've identified a couple of these verses, Ken, pulling through Old and New Testaments, um, the challenge in my mind is how merciful are we? <laughs> you know, you I particularly you you described God's the Father of mercy, but but we also identify ourselves as the children of God. So mm. if if we're the children of God, are we not are we not being called to be merciful? Mm. And and mm. that's actually a, a bit of a sobering challenge because I think, you know, is is the Christian community throughout its history iconically known for being merciful? Mm. Uh, I think at times, yes. In 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 characters like you know Mother Teresa, 
uh, and um, some of the older historical figures that that are remembered as saints. I think there is the celebration of of people that lived lives of mercy, but I think there's also a huge amount of Christian history that seems to be antithetical to merciful thinking. Mm. And particularly in our world today, uh, where um, Christianity is so often aligned with um, uh, harshness. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, Why don't we uh, just send them to jail for longer? Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. Interesting side note. I read a fascinating book that you probably um, have read or heard or come across called Freakonomics um, the other day, which talks about um, crime in the US and um, the statistics around it and all the rest of it. Um, And points out that a very interesting statistic, which this, which 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 is an insight that I've seen in a few different places now, and it really is something well worth keeping in mind, that an inmate on death row, uh, and I've got to make sure I get this right, and I apologise if I'm misremembering the uh, thing the book said, but you can go and look it up yourself. Um, it's a very common book. Um, an inmate on death row is less likely to die than a crack dealer in think it was chicago in the 19 early 1990s hmm. right they have a lower chance of 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 being killed by violent death um if you're on death row than you do um being being involved in the drug trade of the early 90s as a street dealer hmm. um which means that the death row is not a disincentive for somebody who has a greater chance of dying in their day-to-day life. Hmm. That's a really important um, thing to understand. If the problem you're trying to solve is not as big as the problem that somebody is facing elsewhere, it's not going to be their priority, no matter how important you think it is. And I think there's a lesson there for the Christian church. And, and yeah. for us, generally, the problems that we think are really important, are they the problems that the people we're trying to help are actually most impacted by? Or do they have bigger things to worry about? Because if someone is starving to death, it doesn't help at all to give them a pep talk. They hmm. need food. Well, this closes the loop back to, to the comment we made earlier about um, active compassion, li- lived out compassion. Well, yeah, and if God is the is the Father of mercy, and we're the children of mercy, and we are talking about mercy in the very specific sense of the action of mercy, hmm. I've brought it back to social justice. My job here is done. Thank you very much for a wonderful fact, we, podcast. I'll be off. If God propagates mercy, and He's the Father of mercy, and we are His children, we are mercy. Hmm. We are the means by which He um, implements and and. Um, uh, uh, gives the experience of mercy to the world. Um, one of the things that we often say about God too, this is another characteristic of God that we talk about, is he doesn't change. Um, you know, I don't, I don't change. How is it that God does not change? Hmm. In what way is it that he does not change? Can you think of a hymn that has a message about this? I feel like I'm in a quiz. <laughs> You're not writing um, down we, our. We should our start a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'll give you a mark at the end of the day. Well, have a think about this hymn. 
Um, Great is thy faithfulness. Mm. And what's the line in that? Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. Mm. The way in which God is constant from generation to generation throughout the history of the world is that his compassions never fail. And am I remembering correctly, Ken, Ken, that hymn also has the phrase, morning by morning, new mercies. Ah, so, where, where does that come from? Well, the, <laughs> where well do, okay, here's the extra quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, while people are thinking about that, my, my comment was going to be, you can't be unchanged. It's, it's a conundrum to be changing not and yet mm. to be daily bringing new mercies. The, the newness mm. there seems to imply change and yet... Um, well, there's it's, there's it's, this element of of, of remaining constant. Of, it's not that much of a conundrum if you think about it. If it is somebody's constant characteristic that they send everybody they know a birthday card on their birthday, then they mm. are sending you birthday cards every day or every week or whatever it is. Mm. But the, it is the character that is constant. Yeah. Well, I think that's I think that's right. Yeah. That's my contribution to distract from the fact that I don't know the answer to your question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, there you are. I've got the answer for you. Listen to this. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Ah. Great is your faithfulness. I... I'm slightly startled to find that that hymn comes from Lamentations. <laughs> In fact, it is almost word for word. Mm. Lamentations chapter 3, verses uh, 22 and 23. Wow. Uh, there's a... Always like Lamentations. There's a sermon in that. always like Lamentations. <laughs> but yeah. I, do like, I do like Lamentations now. Um, 31 to 33 that says this. For men are not cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. Oh, there, there it is again. Doesn't willingly because he needs to be no. provoked to anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this yeah. has been a, a thoroughly interesting exploration, Ken. And I, I'm going to have to cut it here because I fear we could keep going on and on and on with you playing this game of finding extra Bible <laughs> verses that highlight God's mercy. It's starting to feel to me as if it might be one of his most thoroughly um, and rep repeatedly reminded characteristics to us throughout the Bible. <laughs> well, if that's the message that's come from it, then I'm delighted. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if I might finish with a prayer. Yes, please do. Um, and this prayer is based on a prayer that's been prayed in that ancient language. Uh, and my prayer to finish is this. So Lord God, in our sins, large and small, in the days of our lives and with the church of the ages, we cry with confidence, Kyrie eleison. O Lord, have mercy. Christe eleison. Christ. Have mercy, knowing that every morning your faithfulness will renew that for us. Amen. Amen.